everyone, and welcome to episode 691 of Longbox Heroes, the Lamborghini of comic book podcasts. Joe and Todd here. Todd, hello. How are you? I'm doing great. Great opening for a new year, Joe. You're crushing it. Thank you. Thank you. So we didn't talk about it on uh, After Dark this week, but there are um, New Year's superstitions. Right. Pork and sauerkraut, baby. Okay. So that one I did not know until I met my wife. Right? Right. I know that my whole life. Okay. Um, but then she has all these other ones where, you know, the pots and pans and, like, yell and open up the doors to let, like, the bad luck out and the new <laughs> luck in. Right. If I do that, all the all everybody else's bad luck comes to my house. Right. It's just, it's it's been sitting on your porch for years waiting for you to open up the door. <laughs> yep. And is there one with laundry? There is one. You're not allowed to do any laundry whatsoever. I'm celebrating New Year's every day. <laughs> like we we had done some laundry Saturday, like Friday and Saturday, and there was stuff that was hung up that we needed to put away. Mm-hmm. And she's like, "No, we can't. You can't do laundry on New Year's Day." And oh, I'm like, "No." I'm like, "Stuff's got to get done. Come on." Oh. There's, there are a few things I can't do on New Year's Day, like everything, because I'm usually hungover. Well, if it fell on that day, we would do this podcast on New Year's Day. We've done that, yeah. yeah. We probably have in our in our illustrious career of doing mm-hmm. a podcast. Right. And speaking of which, let's start things off on the right foot. We got some news this week in regards to DC and their cover stock. Mm-hmm. Uh, yet another new first appearance of a famous 80s character has appeared. Mm-hmm. We have both grading on you and the Rob Watch this week. A double whammy. Yes, yes. Uh, conventions are back, of course. Um, we're going to take a walk down Lois Lane with our good friend Becky. We're going to talk about what we read from this past week, which is Brave and the Bold uh, Batman number eight. And the Jimmy Palmiotti uh, and Company Hunter's original graphic novel. What we're looking forward to coming out this week. Um, I did try to co-opt a uh, art attack, but failed. Hmm. And then we have the beginning of 2024's Todd and Joe Have Issues, as we are going to be rereading all of Gail Simone's Secret Six, starting with Villains United number one. Right. And if you ever have an art attack for me to see, Joe, just retweet it. That's all. Ah! That might be part of the problem. Go listen to After Dark for more on that, right? I was waiting to also say, fire, bad. <laughs> yes. Uh, no, that's I'm I'm the monster. Frankenstein is my dad's <laughs> name. Right. <laughs> so <laughs> finally, after however many years it's been, uh, DC is reducing the quality on their standard covers. Right. For the longest time, DC has had a minimum of two covers for pretty much every book. Um. There was, you know, A cover and B cover, and a couple years back, the B cover became like a thicker, heavier cardstock cover, and it was a dollar more. Right. And I wouldn't get it on everything, but there were certain ones where they would do, like, the same artist on a bunch of things, or they would do, like, a theme on those covers. And I'm like, eh, I'll get them. You know, like, Nightwing is the one that I missed out on initially, or maybe... 
they weren't doing the uh, cardstock covers at first and then switched over to add the cardstock covers. Okay. Whatever. The regular cover now was a slightly higher grade paper than the contents of the book. Right. Starting with the books this month, this week, this year, 2024, just like Marvel, the cover stock is going to be the same as the page stock. Right. And I remember when it happened with Marvel, and it had to be like 10 plus years ago. It was jarring. People went out of their minds because they didn't do it with the whole line. They only did it with a couple books. I remember because it was, uh, for me, it was the first one I remember was like a Peter David book mini that he was doing. I was like, this is flimsy. I remember when the Ultimate books, the Ultimate books had the cardstock cover. Mm -hmm. And then they went to like kind of almost like an acetate cover. Right. And then they went to regular, like they, and not back to cardstock, but like the higher grade paper quality. But it was like as the ultimate line got bigger and bigger, they made the covers less and less. Right. They had to stretch that money out. Yeah. But I guess with some of the books that are coming out this week for DC, that they've accidentally included like all the variants in there as well. Right, yeah, because I was flipping through one. I know the Fire and Ice one had the cardstock cover, and then when I opened it, it had the A cover underneath it. Mm -hmm. Which, if they're going to do that, I'd be cool with that for the extra dollar. You know what I mean? I guess, but then I would buy the cardstocks and have both. And yeah. if I didn't like the, if I ever wanted to change, I just ripped the cardstock cover off, oh, and I'd yeah, have an original. Yeah, that's what you would do, right? Yeah, yeah. Um, I so. Is this a mistake by DC? No. It's a money-making scheme. <laughs> so this is intentional for them to reduce the quality of the covers on everything, but then accidentally put the cardstock covers? Like, Or you mean the, the, the non-cardstock cover underneath the cardstock? Yeah, yeah. I, I, I would not be shocked, because here's the way I look at it. It's literally one more page of the cheapest paper. Right. I think they're going to do that. And that's going to kind of entice you to get there. I mean, it could change next week and I'm wrong. It's just a printing error. I worked at a book bindery. I know all about printing errors. Um, so I, I see it. I see it, you know, maybe happening, but I honestly think from here on out, they're going to give you that, that flimsy paper cover underneath the cardstock one. We haven't gotten an announcement from DC or Lunar or anything else like that yet on it, you know? Right. Um, but I guess people were saying that uh, they were showing on the inside what the, like, the variant theme covers are for February. Okay. So that leads... So, okay. Is DC putting the three ninety nine or the regular, the A cover, as a flimsier paper stock um, intentional? Yes. Right. Is DC putting the card stock over that intentional? No. I definitely think that's where the mistake is coming in. Fair enough. I just yeah. think it's easier. Here's what I think it's easier to do. It's easier to okay. You're you're already printing the the comic with the cover that's the same paper as the, the the pages in it 
So why should we do another run and change the printers? And now you're going to reprint, you're going to print more, but now with that one page off and then put the card stock, it's just like, we're printing up a hundred thousand of them. Give me 50 with the card stock, 50 without, and we don't have to change the machinery once to do it. Do you know what I mean? It's set to go as is. Mm-hmm. Because that's one of the things where the money comes in. When I remember when I worked at uh, Haddon, Haddon Craftsman in Scranton, it was like, oh, anytime you, you change anything, you know, it gummed up the works. You know, you had to reset uh, like thicknesses and stuff like that. So I, I'm just going by my insider knowledge of making books, Joe, that that's my opinion. Gotcha. Well, one thing that we need to get you on, of course, is it was just recently discovered or something. Right. <laughs> that in Comics Journal 85 from 1983, mm-hmm. um, because there was a feature in regards to Marvel's upcoming Secret Wars, and they showed a picture of the Spider-Man black costume saying Spider-Man's new costume. <gasps> people are now considering that the first appearance of the black costume, a.k.a. the Venom symbiote, a.k.a. Venom. And, of course, that issue of the Comics Journal now has skyrocketed in price. Yeah, and I think that's really smart by the person who had 10 of them sitting around their basement. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know? I mean, that's all it is. We talked about this before. Right. It's the whole thing of, hey, I have these things laying around or I have this thing. Like my thing is more even more special because like you keep going back in time. And I think, you know, we, we've discussed it. You bring me a first appearance, you know, quote air quotes for a first appearance. And I'll tell you whether or not it's a first appearance. Let's not get crazy, you know. Uh, like there's debate. Because Spider-Man gets the ball of black goo in issue seven of Secret Wars. Right. And then issue eight is where it's on the cover and he actually wears it. Mm-hmm. And then there's the issue of Amazing Spider-Man where it's the first time that he wears it in the mainline book. Right. There was, was, wasn't that like Web of Spider-Man number one? I no, it wasn't Web of Spider-Man. It's a very it's it's a very particular issue of Amazing Spider-Man, and I can't think of the number off the top of my head. Mm-hmm. Um, but there was a time where that Secret Wars Seven was considered the first appearance of the black suit, which it right, technically it was, is. It was Amazing Two Fifty Two, but go ahead. Okay, right. I knew it was Two Fifty something. Okay, so Two Fifty Two. Um, so that's the first, um, appearance of in the mainline book. And I'll give you eh, first appearance in secret wars, first appearance in mainline book. Okay. I'll give you two, right? <laughs> what? And, and uh, too begrudgingly, but this brings me up to the most, I guess the most disputed, the most whatever first appearance in all of comics. And that's the first appearance of spawn. No, there's there's an equal amount of Spawn first appearances, but go ahead. I found even more than we had previously thought. Yes, you did. So, and I'll I'll go through them as quick as I can. So there was a, uh, we talked about it before, uh, Stanley presents comic book greats Todd McFarlane. Mm -hmm. The VHS cover for that has Spawn on the cover. Mm Mm-hmm. 
but he's not named as Spawn, but that's technically his first appearance, but not first appearance in a comic book. Right. Then, uh, in the Canadian distribution catalog, (laughs) up and coming, they showed Spawn with the Spawn logo next to him. Right. That's the true first appearance. Okay. Then, in Comics Buyer's Guide 953... There was that same image that was in Up and Coming 15 that was in this. Those are about two days apart, right? That's all you need is to be one day in front of it. You know what I mean? Now, Comics Buyer's Guide has that same image with the Spawn logo, but it also has an image of the first cover of Spawn as well. Mm. Then, a week later in Comic Shop News 242... We get that same cover in there with the announcement. And then in Comics Buyer's Guide 953, we get a different logo and an official date of release. Right. None of those are the first appearance. It's previews, Joe. Then two weeks after that is when the previews comes out. And since we have that one, I think that's the first appearance. Until we sell it, then it's Spawn 1. But go ahead. Now, this one gets first appearance in color. Ooh. Right. So that's that's where we get our distinct our distinguishing uh, thing from there, right? Not only that, it's also including a Spawn in profile image never seen before. Right. Now, this this site that I have doesn't have, like, the issues of Malibu Sun, doesn't have the issues of Rust, and all these other different things that were previously considered to be Spawn's first appearance. Right. But, C is one first appearance. It's the previews that we have. Right. Yeah. Um, I do have I do have my annotations for all the other first appearances that we've come across in our previews that we've done for previewing the past. Mm-hmm. So when I go and put them up online to get our money back off them, right? I can put first appearance of so and so, first appearance of whatever, right? Mm-hmm. Like uh, this week's previewing the past that we're doing has both the first appearance of Billy Tucci's she, right, and it also has the first appearance in a solo book of hellboy oh no yes oh the dude is gonna be all over us for that one right but the bit the biggies that are so the biggies that are out there during our time obviously is the spawn one and uh spider-man 2099 mm-hmm. one we get later which again i don't listen we're, we're looking at 1996 and 97 like it's <sighs> A million years away. But right. when we get to like 06, luckily we, most of those are already online. But from right. doing my research and looking for like whatever it is that I'm looking for to fill in the gaps that we have. Right. There's an issue of previews that's considered the first appearance of Saga. And isn't there one that's the first appearance of Walking Dead? No. There's no Walking Dead one, but there's definitely a Saga one. Okay. But and on this list, isn't the Malibu Sun one on this li- the website you sent me? I don't think so. I didn't see it. It is. It's in May 1992. Hmm. Malibu right. Sun 13. Right. So see that? I think there's an issue of Malibu Sun that's out even prior to that. 
Okay. Um, because by the time and like up and coming is a new one that I've never even heard of before, right? Right. No, I think the 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 the, the Malibu Sun was the was the one after previews that was like way after. I don't know. That's the way I remember it. Is like that's where it's supposed to be, mm-hmm. but it is crazy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because okay, right. So, um, so it's the Malibu Sun thirteen, which is like two months after all those other ones. Right. Rust number one, Rocket Ranger number four. Yep. Right. Yep. Yep. Yeah. Uh, so it's so ridiculous. Um that a book could have so many first appearances of somebody just trying to cash in on whatever it is, right? Yeah. That's all. And I will say to bring it back to the Spider-Man story, because I just want to make sure I have this correct, because you're the Spider-Man guy on this show. I am. In Amazing Spider-Man 252, right? That's his first appearance in the black costume. And then it's months, not not in like continuity timeline, but he's he's already got it. And then when Secret Wars 8 comes out, or 7 or 8, months later, we get the story of how he got the costume. That's the way I understand Yes. It. Okay. Just making sure I'm on the right page. That's all. Right. But and that's the thing. It's one of those, it's one of those deals because of the um the 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 continuity of the storyline that 252 is the first time that we see the costume. But then in Secret Wars, we get the origin, and then we're told that this story takes place before Spider-Man 252. Mm-hmm. That, published after Amazing Spider-Man 252, gets retconned as the first appearance of the costume. Okay. It's all so confusing, Joe. Do you remember when a comic was just the first appearance? I Listen, I remember all of it, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, so we have a little bit of grading on you news uh, here as well. Uh, Todd, I, I know you're going to be surprised to hear this. Right, right. But did you know people decided to opportunity, the CGC opportunity? No. Shocked. This is my shocked face, Joe. So, you know, obviously this is these are not comic book circles that Todd and I, uh, I was almost going to say into the word, but weighed in, let's say. Right. Um. But there is, uh, there are worlds of these, of the graded comics and everything else like that. And the person in question is a gentleman who goes by the 9.9 newsstand. Right. Uh, he was the first one to discover this with, as you had mentioned, an issue of Amazing Spider-Man, specifically 252, uh, was the first one where this was found, where it was... A certificate number, but not to a specific variant of that cover. Mm-hmm. So they had discovered what people were doing was, uh, and now a term in the industry called reholdering. I hate that that term, but go ahead. So they would send a book to go and get graded and get a nine point eight, right? Mm-hmm. Then they would take that book out of the slab, um, carefully, I guess, right. put a lower-grade version of that same book in the slab, reseal the slab, send the 9.8 that they'd just gotten back from CGC out 
to get another 9.8 on that same book. And depending on how many copies of that book that you have, you could just keep doing that and doing that and doing that. And doing it well, yeah. So there were at least two different eBay stores that were doing this. With with several books, apparently. Yes, with several different books, like higher-end key grade books, you know. <laughs> right. Um, and CGC, of course, <laughs> uh, issued a statement on their website regarding it. I'm not going to uh, give you the whole thing, but it says, if you purchase one of these books that the individual tampered with, we will ensure that you are appropriately compensated for losses arising from any failures in our service. We expect to share a list of books that we believe are impacted as soon as possible. Right. Uh, they say that it was a, fa- a, a few hundred books were affected. So a few is like, what, two, three hundred books? Maybe. Uh, they have also retained a leaving a leading private investigation service Ooh. and outside counsel to conduct a comprehensive review of this incident and our process to help ensure that this individual is held accountable to the fullest extent of the law. We have already made significant improvements in our process oh. as a result of this incident, and we will continue to take appropriate steps to help ensure that this type of incident does not happen again. Right. And you said it was an outside investigator? It's. They say they've, they've retained a leading private investigation service and outside counsel. I hope it's the Pinkertons. I don't know what that means. That's, that was an old, that's an old timey, like, uh, like, uh, cops in the old West and they, they're still around. But anyway, um, this is on CGC, man. If you, if you, if these books are able to be open, because I I never understood. I had some CGC books in, in my life when I bought like flash, uh, like silver age flash comics. I was trying to fill in my thing and I would buy them off of eBay and they'd be, you know, I'm not reading them. So I'd get like all the first appearance. And this is the one, the first appearance of captain Cole that I have. And it was in a CGC case and the CGC case was cracked. Mm. So, So kind of like opened, do you know what I mean? Like it was clamshell. You can like, uh, peel the, the, the bottom part open. But when you put your hand in there, there's like saran wrap over the top, like a, a plastic, a film. And it's like, okay, that is unpunctured. And I was told by our retailers, like, oh, if you ever want to get that re, like, you know, you want to get it regraded, you know, in a new case, because that plastic isn't open, they will say like, oh, yeah, I could see that this is still connected up here some way. So and the, and the film is still on it that we're going to honor this grade. We really don't have to look at the book because it's not, you know, air hasn't touched it since we last had it. Um, You can get it. But if these books that are re, you know, oh, I forget what the word you use was, but it, it drives me nuts. Um, reholdered reholdered how are they putting these in these in these uh these plastic coffins that they can reholder them you know what i mean like this seems to be a flaw in the system if i'm understanding it correctly i don't know i don't like it joe don't like it at all it sounds like a big flaw in the system and that's why they have a private investigator and outside counsel to so as you mentioned, a flaw in their system. Absolutely, 100%, no question about that. But 
All it takes is one flaw in their system to cast doubt and dispersion on other people ever using that service again. Mm-hmm. But more importantly, running off the people that do use their service on a regular basis right. to never use their service again. There there are the CGC pilled people who will be like, it's a, you know, whatever. If, uh, it only happened a little bit. It'll never happen again. They're going to work out the bugs. Um, so it's not going to happen because I've seen the lines at Comic-Con New York. It's it's never going to go away, but I think it'll put a dent It'll put a dent in their, you know, in their, in, you know, their people who send their stuff in, but it's not going to hurt them. They're still going to make hand over fish cash unless it can, it stays completely out of control. But I don't think that'll happen. And also, would my joke have been better if I said Batman instead of the Pinkertons? No, no, okay. But so, how many CGC books are you buying now, Joe? None. Uh, this would never happen to PGX. I'll tell you that right now. <laughs> it would also never happen if they replied to their emails, but that's not there. That is true. There. We were going to be the you know the official sponsor of this show, but they never got back to us. There's still time. Right. When that guy wakes up. You know, they could probably hit you up on Twitter one of these days where you ask them. You know what I mean? Oh, come on. Oh, I'm sorry. <laughs> Too soon? No, it wasn't this. All right. I was looking to see if I could find it. Anyway, I can't. Let's get into other business. <laughs> Ask not for whom the Rob trolls. The Rob trolls for thee. And now, the Rob Watch. Oh, hey, the Rob is back uh, from his self imposed hiatus, vacation, illness, whatever the Rob is up to. Mm-hmm. And as part of me being me, I'm going to do my best to revitalize Rob's recaps, uh, listening to the Rob's podcast, so you don't have to. Right. Um. Hey, listen. Re, you know, if you want to listen to the Rob, you listen to the Rob. That's on you. Um. I. Uh, I, I give you. It's a pretty thorough recap of everything that's going on with the Rob. Mm-hmm. Right. Right. And it's a lot of. To summarize it here, I guess it would be the alphas. There's no alphas. Uh, the, the alpha dogs, he would say. I don't know why. He says alpha dogs, but the episode title is just alphas. Right. right? I don't know why they chose not to put dog in the title of the thing, you know? Right. And a lot of it is going back to how today there's no creators, specifically artists, that push to be the writer and artist on a book. Right. And then when they do, and if they do push to be the writer and artist on a book, they don't stand the book for three plus years. Right. And that's the biggest problem with the comics industry today. It's not the biggest problem, but at least, see, I always stand by Rob. The Rob makes some points. Yes. But then he'll say something stupid. So Yes. Now, I will say, and I guess this would fall into the news, and this should get picked up, but again, it is the Rob, so you never know. Um, The Rob isn't the only Rob that I know that makes promises and then whatever, right? Right. Uh, So he says that he has a, quote, open-ended storyline that he's been working on for the last two years. It's not going to be in a catalog. It's not going to be through a crowdfunding Kickstarter or anything else like that. Right. It's going to be something 
that you have to go directly to his website and buy from him. Sure. And he says that there's no, it's, it, it can go as long as he wants or as short as he wants. And he's going to be making the announcement of it sometime this year. Ooh, what's the over under? Uh, okay. The over under that he actually announces it. The over under that he puts the first thing up for sale. The over under that people actually get the first thing that goes up for sale, or the over under that it's more than one thing. Okay, um, the first three are the ones that were in my head. Um, does he announce what it is this year? Yes. Does what was the second one you had? Okay, does he announce something this year? Yes. Does he put it for sale? Does he put issue one of it or the first collection of it or whatever it is? The is first- he selling something this year? Well, well, no, no. Okay. So does he put the first offering of it up on his website this year? I say no. I say yes, because this is going to be one of those things where he tested the market out at New York Comic Con where he had all those different Captain America variant comic variant covers, right? Yeah, this is going to be something where he solicits a number one that has like minimally 10 variant covers, half of which have a signed only variant. Mm -hmm. So it's going to be 10 of issue one, whatever that issue one is. Now we make the announcement. We have a date items for sale. Do people get that item in the calendar year 2024? That's my first no. That's the first no. You don't think you'll have them ready for New York Comic Con to sell the extras? No. See, depending what it is, depending what it is, I could see him having it ready with his seven army of 17 anchors. Now, okay. You know what I mean? Like for that New York show, because he's whatever this is, he's had a long running start, you know? Maybe he could, you know, he's been playing with it or whatever. But that second issue, if he does two of whatever it is, like we don't know if it's a collection or a comic, two doesn't come out for like eight months, ten months, if ever, after the first one. Yeah, we don't see we don't see two even breathe in the year 2024. Right, yes. But I say we get the name, announcement, date, goes up for sale on the website. People do not have them in hand by the end, issue one of whatever it is by the end of 2024. I like the cut of your jib on that yeah. one. Yes, that sounds about right. But the so you had mentioned about the army of 17 inkers that he has, right? Mm-hmm. Again, with this episode that came out, this whole thing of he's the writer and artist on everything. Mm-hmm. He inks his own stuff, except when he doesn't. But he yeah. said. He always inks his own stuff. But except the, the, the times he really wants to work with other inkers. Yes. You, it's almost like, oh, see, we, we discussed whether or not this should be a Kirsten show. It's almost like he believes the stuff coming out of his mouth. Yeah. That's all. So, but I wanted to do that as a public service for our Rob fans out there. If you like the Rob, you know, yeah. he's got a. Creator own thing that he's uh, threatening for twenty twenty four. He's gonna he's gonna release an opportunity sometime this year. Yep. 
Maybe it escapes. Who knows? Well, one place that he won't be selling it is going to be at any of the fan expo cons because, of <laughs> course, they're all money losers except for the Orlando one. But they are in New Orleans this big this weekend. The Big Easy. I also said the Windy Apple, but close <laughs> enough. Right. Um, New Orleans. Yes. Uh, old Swampy. <laughs> right. That's old Alec Holland, right? The creators that we have there, Ryan Otley, Stephen Platt, who's a former The Rob Guy, uh, Tom Grummet, Carrie Nord, Brian Azzarello, Tony Harris. Eh, you know, they've worked together before in the past, right? And then media guest side, you got lots of like, eh, Lord of the Rings people, Daredevil people still kicking around. You know, I'm only going to point out like, you know, the, the, the biggies, the heavy hitters when I see somebody who hasn't popped up in a long time. Bruce Campbell's going to be at this convention. Oh, good for him. I don't know how close New Orleans is to Georgia. I think it's kind of close. Anyone we know that lived down that way just want to hop, skip, and jump over, you know? I don't know any I don't know any Bruce Campbell fans in Georgia. Not okay. big ones, anyway. No. Well, if you are a big Bruce Campbell fan and you're in the uh, southeastern part of these United States, uh, we have the link to the convention information in the show notes, along with information about soon-to-be-named network at soon-to-be-namednetwork.com, soon-to-be-namednetwork.tumblr.com. Anytime any of the shows go live, you can find them at their own individual websites. However it is, you get them through your podcatcher, but you can get everything in one stop, soon-to-be-namednetwork.com. You could also oh and that's oh and that's all the shows. I have to name all the shows. Uh so that would be this show, Longbox Heroes, Longbox Heroes After Dark, uh At Odds with Wrestling, We Need Wrestling, Final Wrestling Place, Puzzle Warriors 3, Profane Arguments, Wings on Wings, Porch Talk, and Hayabussy. Mm-hmm. You can go check out some of our friends and the stuff that they're up to in and around the internet. Uh, you can go check out our friend Mike Sterling's blog over at progressiveruin.com. You can go check out our friend Kevin's blog at hellionsteam.com. You can go check out Rick Williams the Chop Shop at freekaratechops.storeenvy.com. I might change that over to Rick's Instagram because he puts a lot more cooler stuff over on his Instagram. Mm -hmm. You can go check out Jason Sandberg's Jupiter, number one, a la carte with all the bells and whistles or just straight up on his Indiegogo. You can go purchase Chris Runt's Battle Monsters, his self-published comic that he crowdfunded a little ways back over at FortressOfComicNews.com. And you can go check out our friend Davey of the band Cave People for his self-published comics, Mending and Keeper, over at CaveDomainComics.com. Yep. I just want to say I met him over the weekend, and he gave me a long, like, detailed process of, like, how he made those books and everything like that. That was kind of cool that he had, like, the printer near him and everything. Mm -hmm. I was like, oh, that seems very expensive. He's like, yeah, yeah, I lost money. He goes, but it was a... <laughs> It was from the heart. I was like, okay. I was like, oh, I never got that second one. He goes, oh, he goes, I'll send you a copy. I'm like, I'll buy it when they come back. Relax. He's like, no, no, I'll send you and Joe a copy. Like, calm down, son. But send job. us the P well, listen, send us the PDFs, man. Save yourself right. on the printing costs, you know. But yeah. Davey's a good dude. Davey's a musician. He's a struggling artist. Um, definitely go support, you know, independent arts wherever you can, however you can. 
listen, we're, we're, we're very biased. The independent art that we support and like is all of our friends that are doing the independent art that they're doing. Um, go buy the digital versions. I think one of those two books is sold out. Yep. For sure, and then the uh, second, the second one. Yeah. yeah, mending is sold out physically, but both are available available digitally. Um, but if you do not have a comic book store in your area, or you do not have a good comic book store in your area, let our store be your store. Comics on the Green. I have the Facebook page linked up. That's where Dave and the crew will put up all the information when the new books come in on Tuesday and Wednesday, because that's the world we live in now. Uh, when all the new uh, pre orders, final order, cutoff dates. Uh, mint condition Silver Age collection just fall in Dave's lap. Hmm. He puts a detailed uh, walks through of them up on Facebook. That is linked up. You can go find out information for his eBay store. You can go find out information for the mail order subscription service. Uh, get books mailed to you weekly, bi-weekly, monthly. And if you do, there's a chance you can get a sketch on your package from our good friend Becky, who we're going to turn things over to now for her walk down Lois Lane. Welcome back to my walk down Lois Lane. This week we're going to cover issue number 41 from 1963. Superman's a big jerk in this issue, so let's dive in. Lois and Lana are at the Fortress of Solitude nosing through Superman's stuff when they come across a slideshow of his greatest achievements. They find pictures of him and Supergirl at a parade, Jimmy getting his watch, and Superman getting engaged to a woman named Lana Lane, who is a dead ringer for the two of them. Lois confronts Superman when he returns and tells him that while she has no right to pry, again, they were nosing through his stuff, who is that woman, why does she have their name, and is he only dating them because of her? He tells them, oh, you don't remember? Put these helmets on and I'm going to load up some old-fashioned memory tapes. The tapes show of a time when Superman took the girls to a planet named Zerm. They just got out of an ice age and the planet is flourishing. So while Superman takes care of some business, the girls should check it out for a potential story. The girls go to a zoo and immediately start touching and messing with things that have Do Not Touch written on them and start taking pictures of themselves wearing a fancy necklace that is secretly combining two animals into one around them, but they don't notice. The girls... Marvel at the weird space animals when, in a move literally everybody saw coming, they accidentally combine themselves. Superman shows up and sees the ideal combination of Lois and Lana, and she explains what happened. Superman loves that he can have his cake and eat it too, so he pulls out an engagement ring he's been carrying around for years and immediately proposes. When questioned about Superman always telling Lois and Lana any wife he has will come to harm, his reply is, I'll figure it out, and she says yes. A scientist at the colony flags down Superman and his new bride and explains that the necklace only combines things for a short time. Once they separate, they will die. But this man has a ray gun that will let one of them live, so Superman has to choose which one he's fine with letting go of, and he has about ten minutes to choose. Lois and Lana begin telling Superman he owes each of them for all the years they've spent devoted to him, and Superman says he refuses to choose and goes to find some rocks to play around with. He crushes a rock from Zerm and hits it with his laser eyes to change its atomic structure. When grabbing a random rock and squeezing it doesn't solve his problems, he decides to flip a picture he finds outside. If it lands picture side up, Lois lives. If it lands picture side down, Lana lives. He throws it so hard it melts and then tells the girls, Oh well, guess I can't choose. Lois tells Superman that if one of them has to die, it should be her. She loves him, but she understands, and all she wants is one last kiss. 
Lana says Lois is a showboat and liar, and as Superman kisses her goodbye, he picks up the gun to make his decision, but the girls point out it's been ten minutes and they're still alive. Superman says that random rock he was squeezing probably saved their lives, and the girls agree before heading home. When they get back to Earth, the girls can't remember the trip, and Superman also chalks that up to the magic squeezing rock. The girls take off their helmets and ask Superman which one he was going to save at that time, and he gave them a wink before telling them, you'll never know. This is hilarious if you listened to the story of issue number 38, where DC were trying to push which girl would stay with Superman. And again, this is why I would think Lois. Lois knew she was going to die and told Superman, just give me one last kiss and go live your life. I love issues with Lana in them because I feel like she makes a great comedic rival for Lois. And Superman refusing to marry each girl, but then marrying a combination of the two of them is the type of selfish nonsense I rant and rave about when I go off about how Superman in the Lois Lane comics is a terrible human being. Join me next week for more Lois Lane. I don't know, Todd, if I'm just punchy or if I've listened to enough of these things and the way that Becky explains these. Mm -hmm. When she laid out the story on the how and the why Lana and Lois became one person who Superman married. Yeah. I was like, oh, that, that makes sense. That's, that makes Silver Age sense, at least. Right. I'm, I'm starting to get a Silver Age brain from listening to all of these things. Yep. You're, you're becoming Silver Age pilled, Joe. Oh. <laughs> yes, and thank you to Becky for doing so. For yes. Silver Age pilling all of us. Yeah, and Joe, we're never sharing a necklace. That's all I'm going to say. All right. Yeah, I, don't think, we, we, I don't think something that would go around my neck would also fit around your neck or vice versa. That That is true. But can you imagine a combined Joe Todd? We would be, we, well, we wouldn't be Joe'd. We'd be Toe? That would be I our joint name? I think we would be toe, yes. Superman couldn't use that gun on us quick enough. (laughs) That's right. Kill me. (laughs) All right. So, again, thank you very much, Becky. I have her social media and stuff linked up in the show notes as well. If you want to go check out her process, her, you know, social media to-do-ins, you know, while while you still can. Yeah. So let's get into what we read from this past week. Uh, Todd, uh, where would you like to begin? I would like to start with the book I was looking forward to most, which was uh, the Kickstarter book that I, I got from Jimmy Palmiotti, Chad Harden, uh, with uh, man, uh, chapter breaks by Amanda Connor. Uh, basically, an old west tale. Uh, it's about this couple who one is a what? What would you call? It? He's like a uh, a retired lawman slash bounty hunter, and his wife, uh, his wife who is. Uh, retired from a sharpshooting like wild west show which is is kind of cool we find that about her and uh they're going to live their life out west i think it's san francisco way um and along the way they end up running into this little town and things are awry as they often are in the old west and we find out from you know a flashback that there's this uh crazy preacher who's after some of his flock and we end up you know finding out why as uh you know the the two main characters and it's alistair hunter and his wife kate um are there and he ends up realizing that there are some bounty hunters that have come into town for like the inklings that they've that they've heard of the rumblings and he ends up realizing he knows one so he's got an in and they end up talking 
And from there, you know, somebody, maybe an innocent person gets captured by them. And maybe one of the two of them takes, you know, things into their own hands, even though they kind of want to go off and be left alone. Um, maybe they're not in the same state that they started with after that. And, uh, they, you know, you know, classic Western, maybe we got to go wrap this up, get some revenge kind of a thing, fix things. Um, but I mean, right off the bat, I'm a big, uh, Harden fan on his art. He did some wonder woman with those Walmart books with Jimmy Palmiotti, uh, Amanda Connor on those chapter breaks are absolutely like minimalistic gorgeousness. They're like, you know, what you would expect. And then the, the old West stuff, there's bullets flying. There's that classic Western pattern. This book was made for me. And then you slap it inside a Bill Sienkiewicz, beautiful cover. Yeah. I, I could see them doing more of this book, you know, cause I don't think it, you know, these characters can go on. Um, I think they should drop whatever they're planning next and just do a series of 17 hunters books. I could so you know obviously you know you had postulated last week that these were maybe just like old Jonah Hex scripts that he had laying around that he repurposed you know right I was joking there I think he could just write a western story off the rip like new problem yeah yeah so uh, and again not to say that this was a very basic story if you will but it was very straightforward um could have gotten to some mysticism and i guess the closest it gets to mysticism is the preacher yeah he's just just crazy i think yeah and again you know you could sort of extrapolate on that you know like maybe there's something that's causing a bunch of people to go crazy and now uh alistair and katie have to go investigate this and they're going across the united states right right um i, I know you had mentioned the uh artist on this yeah um which uh which is uh chad harden right yeah yep okay i like chad harden's art but i felt as though his art was maybe and i can't think of the right word for it maybe too big maybe too bright maybe it was the coloring for a story like this and i think it's just because the most recent jonah hex stuff that i i read was the art was a little, you know, you know, a little bit darker, a little bit more squared off where his stuff is a little bit more rounded. Right. It's, it's, I just, his art is a little smoother than rougher for some. Yeah. Of those. Yeah. No, I get you. My, my thing with, with it was I'm used to, I mean, I reread those Jonah Hex with you when we did the year long project. Um, but I, I'm more remembering his all-star Western and that had a different darker coloring and it was like dirtier because they were in Gotham and all that. But yeah, I, that was the only thing with me was it was a little bright, uh, for my taste. Like when they're in the saloon and they're like, it just seems like to me that would be a darker, uh, place, but, uh, otherwise it was fine for me, but I get what you're saying. But there was a lot of old Westy stuff in this that I really liked quite a bit, you know, traveling across the country in search of, you know, religious freedom, uh, you know, wealth or whatever it is. And it's one of those things that maybe you and I as olds kind of take for granted, whereas I I would be concerned if maybe somebody who's never read a a Western book might need a little bit more handholding. Whereas I feel as though this book is very new reader friendly. Definitely. But I, 
I think you and I are new readers to this, but not new readers to Western stuff. Right. But I mean, I think those Western tropes are easy to swallow as soon as you get into them. I, I would I would think so. I would hope so. Um, but you never know. And I, I think another barrier of entry on a lot of stuff like this is what is a Western other than a crime book that's set in the old West that set like 150 years ago. Right. Right. I usually go. They're usually revenge tales. Is what OK, but there's always crimes involved. And let's yeah. A modern day crime tale typically has some sort of revenge aspect mm-hmm. to it for the most part. But I bet you, you could probably ask Jimmy Palmiotti to a person and you could go look at his Kickstarters and stuff that his more straightforward crime stuff, revenge stuff, modernist, modern-ish looking stuff, does better than the Western stuff. I really think, sadly, in 2024, Western is just a barrier of entry for some people that's too much. Yeah, and I'm I, I I I totally get that because and and it is a genre that doesn't sell well. You know what I mean in comics, especially. You know, it's uh, it's a genre, and again, I I'm very um I'm very out of a lot of like TV and movies and stuff. But I can't remember the last time there was a movie that was a western that was successful. Right. I don't, I'd have to do the math on that. Right. I but, know uh, D- Deadwood was a big success. Yeah. But that was 20 years ago. Right. Okay. Um, um, that, that show that Kevin Costner's in that Yellowstone. That's a modern day Western. Yes. Right. You can do modern day Westerns. You know what well, I mean? I know they do either episodes or there's like a side series where it takes place back in the 1800s. Yes. And there's one in like the 1920s too. Right. But. Yeah, I so, mean, that's popular. That's that's one of the big... I think it's like 1888 or something like that. Yeah, yeah. So, it, it, like, that, I think, is more of an outlier because you had the entry point of a modern era crime, revenge, whatever story, and now we can go back to the 20s and tell mobster-esque tales. We can go back to the 1800s and tell western-esque tales, which is essentially the same story that we had been telling before. Mm-hmm. And I, I wonder what the turnover rate would that on that would be the people that just watch the main show and not the show that takes place in the twenties and not the show that takes place in the 1800s. Right. I I will say this though, with this coming out and I'm hoping this, you know, this was a Kickstarter. So this will probably end up in, you know, in comic shops, maybe at some point, I hope they would do that, but you never know. He might just, just sell it out of his own store, but with the Enfield gang massacre, getting some acclaim Mm -hmm. and stuff like that, I'm hoping that this is, maybe a slight resurgence because all we need is that one lightning bolt and we will have 800 Western books. I I will say, and I fingers crossed, you know, I don't know how the Kickstarter did on this, but I know uh, whoever the publisher of it is the Zorro book that's coming Mm up. Right. Um, You know, it's a property that people are aware of, whether it's been in popular culture in the last 20, 25 years, another story. But it's it, it's a known property. It's a Western book. And, you know, hopefully that could be something that hits, you know, I, I hope so, too. Listen, you're t- you're preaching to the choir right here. You know, yeah, I want all the Western books. Oh, you know what? Uh, wasn't there recently an Ed Brubaker hardcover within the last two years where it was like set at the edge of the old West? Yes, that was really good. See, we're getting there. We're slowly we're, we're rolling, Joe. We're rolling. Let's hope so. Yep. Yep. 
So the other book that we both read from this past week was Batman Brave and the Bold number eight. And listen, Todd, I'll be honest with you. I only read the Kyle Starks story. <laughs> yeah. Um, I'm paying a lot of money just to read part of a book. It's worth it. It is worth it. Who's the, uh, and again, I have the book here in front of me, written by Kyle Starks with art by Fernando Pizarin. Yep. So this is uh, more of Wild Dog, of course, trying to figure out his place uh, in his new location. He's already lost the ability to wear the jersey that he's known and famous for, right? Right. Um, So he's got that to deal with. Um, He talks about the only two things that really give him fear. Mm Mm-hmm. Um, and obviously, you know, we, we kind of get into this character being high strong because from the little, uh, coffee shop thing, he's already had 13 shots of espresso (laughs) that day. Right. Right. Uh, but he does spend a good chunk of this book, uh, dealing with the very, and again, it's funny that the Rob's podcast today was about alpha dogs and wild dog is very much dealing with an alpha male character. Listen, Alan's just misunderstood, Joe. Mm-hmm. Um, he's just got a lot of crazy ideas, you know? He's just well, uh, asking questions. He was Googling stuff, so. Yeah. So we got a big knockdown drag-out thing at the diner as Wild Dog is trying to get information from Alan in regards to what's going on with the crime family and who the new person who's moving in on the territory is. We get a brief to-do with uh alan meeting up with his buddy who's the mayor is it i think he might be a cop to tell you the oh truth. he's a cop that's right where he this cop knows that um uh jack is wild dog and they're at the stadium where the hockey team plays and the guy who's suing him shows up and jack has to excuse himself so he doesn't like pummel this guy into into mincemeat you know Yep, and it's football, by the way, your favorite football. sport. I apologize, I said yep. hockey, football, whatever, it's all the yep. same sport, right? So, the crime family, uh, Wild Dog gets the information about the crime family's getting together, somebody's moving in on the turf, and the one guy in the, cr- in the crime family actually has a good plan. He's like, hey, it doesn't matter who it is, like, why don't we just, like, call the Flash and say, hey, it's the Mirror Master, right? Mm-hmm. And the Flash will show up, and it won't be the Mirror Master, but it'll just take care of whoever it was. And then somebody else is like, yeah, that's not a bad idea. Like, why don't we just get Batman? And then there's the discussion, like, how do you call Batman? Like, like I think you just get, like, a signal and put it in the sky and it'll show up, right? <laughs> right. But we don't want him looking too deeply at He's one of the A-listers, so. Right. Now, we do get the revelation of who the person behind all this is. Now, did you know who this was? Is Was yeah, this your I- guess? My guess was who it was, and I was actually going to send you uh, a letter so you could keep it on your porch in a mayonnaise jar, but I forgot to. All right. So I don't want to spoil it here, even though it's like a good chunk of the back half of the book, Um, because I don't want to spoil who it is until next month and we could talk more freely about it. Right. But I love the way that this character deals with Wild Dog. Yeah. Um, In that he's a villain. Very clearly a villain, and Wild Dog is a good guy, very clearly a good guy in this. And this character gets to give his big soliloquy as to why the heroes don't kill. And it's not for some sort of grandiose, holier-than-thou sort of thing. 
but it's more so as a reminder to you, the villain, that you will never win. Mm -hmm. Try as you might, and you can keep trying, but I will always beat you, and you will never win. And he does the same thing to Wild Dog to end this issue. Right. And that was like such a like, oh my god, gut punch, right? Mm -hmm. Because this character, you know, maybe not the most assuming character of them all, is able to very easily and very handily deal with Wild Dog. And under normal circumstances, the villain would kill him. But he's like, no, 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 I'm going to let you live. Right. I'll let you know that you will not beat me. Keep coming. I'll just keep doing this to you. Enjoy. Yep. Yeah. It's kind of like, it's kind of like uh, Kyle Starks' Watchmen moment. You know what I mean? <laughs> it's like, I, I did that, you know, 10 minutes ago, you know, like, but I oh, really have, like I said, it's really good. I really enjoy the story. I wish it wasn't a like a part of a $8 book with three other stories in it. I wish it was just its own thing, but I get why you got to put stuff out there. I don't think a wild dog book by itself would sell as well as a book with two Batman stories in it as well. Right. Yeah. You got that Batman bump, but uh, I'll tell you, Kyle's getting there on his own, man. So he certainly soon, is. soon they, he won't need to ride Batman's. I was going to say coattails, his cowl ca cape. I don't know. Something like that. Soon Batman will be calling up Kyle. and be like, Hey pal. Yeah. Can you, can you, can you write a story about me? Can you, sprinkle, push. can you sprinkle a little Kyle dust on me? <laughs> oh my god! <laughs> Not insinuating any of my Kyle. Kyle's a yeah. good man. Could you? Could, I need some of those, uh, you know, Stark sparks. You know? Oh boy! Not the show title. No, it's not. But it's pretty good. All right. So that's what we read from this past week. Let's get into what we're looking forward to coming out this week. If you head over to longboxheroes.com, every Tuesday around noon Eastern time, we put up the poll post, which is a link to a link to all the books that are coming out this week. Whether you get your books in print, whether you get them digitally, whether you get them sent to your home, whether you're waiting on the trade, be forewarned, be forearmed, know what's coming out this week. Todd and I attempt to guess what the other is most looking forward to coming out this week. And it's a new year, Todd Roker. So the standing is currently at zero. Yes, we're even once again, as we were many times last yes. year. Yes, and I'm hoping that this is the year that I could win definitively. That it's not a nail biter at the end of the at the end of the year, but I don't think it's going to start here because you have a slender read of a list, mm -hmm. and I'm looking at your list, and I think the book that you're most looking forward to coming out this week is Pine and Merrimack number one. It is Pine and Mer Merrimack number one. And I'm going to say Ditto for you. Yes. No, I'm not getting Ditto. I'm getting Pine and Merrimack number one. We just talked moments ago. Kyle Starks doing the Wild Dog book. This is his new creator-owned book at Boom. It's a crime book, question mark. And that, that's what he had said it is. So I take him at his word. Mm -hmm. I didn't read no solicitations about it. Right. I just looked at the date. I looked at what cover I wanted. I told my retailer, said, that's the one I want. And that's the one we're going to talk about next week. I know even less. I know that Kyle Starks is writing it, and I know the name of the book, and that's Perfect. it. So uh, while you're over at longboxheroes.com, again, a lot, not, that, not much we could say about it. You know what I mean? It's a number one that we haven't read yet. Right. Right. 
So while you're over at longboxheroes.com, be sure to check out all the other stuff that Todd and I are up to, whether it be past episodes of this show, past episodes of Longbox Heroes After Dark, or the brand new for 2024, Todd and Joe Have Issues, as we are going to read all of Gail Simone's Secret Six run. Uh, we have as close to as possible in uh, those half-issue posts when they go up on Thursday at noon. Mm-hmm. The way that everything kind of breaks down, I have it broken down by the preferred collections. <laughs> we had talked last week because, you know, there's that one issue that we're going to come up to. Um, Technically, it's issue seven of the Villains United miniseries, but it's a one shot, came out a couple months afterwards. It's only collected in one spot. I think maybe once we get past that, I might put like the two paths of reading that you have, or right. I might just keep it simply as is, right? You do you. Right. So, uh, we are reading Villains United number one, written by Gail Simone, with beautiful art by Dale Eaglesham. Yes. Now, under normal circumstances, and I did include it in the post, right? Right. Uh, they did, so the, the first cover of this, and uh, okay, <laughs> so we are harkened back to a time almost 20 years ago with this. Uh, this is in this miniseries, along with several others, are spinning out of the events of Identity Crisis. No, Infinite Crisis. No, no, no. It's out of the events of Identity Crisis. Oh, okay. Into the events of Infinity Crisis. You're right. I'm sorry. Yep. It's okay. Because this is, uh, not to say that they haven't before, but it's with this. And this is post, uh, uh, is this during 52, after 52? I think it's after 52, right? But this is is really the beginning of DC leaning into, like, everything is something crisis or crisis something. Right. Um, I do think this is before 52, though. Okay. That's just me. Right, the timeline does get a little wonky, but I know people who got back into comics after being out of it during the 90s, Right, who came back in during Ultimate stuff and then got out of it, maybe they got just into Marvel, but it was Identity Crisis that got people into DC Comics. I know multiple people that never read a DC book, and the first thing that they read was Identity Crisis. Okay. The, and the, for Brad Meltzer? The Brad Meltzer, Dr. Light thing. Wow, yeah, okay. Okay. And I only bring that up is because you, they do a good job of explaining that to you in this. But if you're not familiar with Identity Crisis, uh, there's a bit where uh, we find out that because of something very bad that Dr. Light did... And it was maybe a way of um, adulting up maybe a little too much. Right. A 70s Mort character. Mm-hmm. Um, and because of the bad things that he did, the Justice League mind wiped him. And he remembers all that stuff that came after, and he's coming back for revenge. Right. And it was a secret that that particular iteration of the Justice League kept... Or it was like a league within a league. 
word gets out to the rest of the villain community. And Villains United starts off of the big wigs. Pre- you know, presumably Lex Luthor is trying to rally all the villains up, essentially saying, hey, this is what they did to Dr. Light. They're going to do it. Who's to say they already haven't done it to you? If we all band together, we could prevent it from ever happening again. Yep. So the fake out that I'm mentioning is, is the cover of this is Luther's team. But the then there's a society, right? Right. The secret society, folks. It's him. It's Black Adam. It's Deathstroke. It's Talia. Heavy hitters. And you got the calculator and Psycho Man. But right. what this story actually ends up doing is a much better job of what I think they tried to do with Dr. Light in Identity Crisis, where not only do they decide to elevate like one villain from the lowest of the lows to as high as you possibly could get, right? but they also decide to kind of polish up a couple other villains in ways that aren't so ham-fisted and using a triggerable offense, let's say. Mm-hmm. Okay? But there's a second printing variant cover, which is pretty much the same poses that you're seeing in the main cover, but it's the actual Secret Six. Right. Love that, that cover. That, that cover rocks, right? Yep. So again, as I mentioned, we get a bunch of little bits of our... Secret Society, Luther's folks going around talking to some B and C folks, especially at the time, trying to recruit them. And for the most part, everyone does. Um, Fadeaway Man is someone, even having read this book some almost 20 years ago, I have no memory of. Who's the Fadeaway Man, Todd? That one I'm not really big on that I know of, but I know most of the other ones. So. Okay. Uh, I mean, I even recognize, like, well, there's the Shadow Thief, Cheetah, everybody knows, Manta, Felix, Faust, um, Shrapnel. I do think there's a uh, a young, I think this might be the first appearance, but I can't be sure of it, of the person who says, yeah, okay, in the, like, 12-panel grid, like with Prometheus and Phobia and Cicada and the Gentleman Ghost. That might be somebody we come to know as Knockout later, would you say, maybe? I would certainly think so. Right. Uh, Fadeaway Man is a Hawkman villain. Right. Well, he's known for, you know, the Shadow Thief, who's also in this, and the Fadeaway Man. That's his two big, you know, villains. Right. But we get a bunch of, you know, folks that I recognize from the time and a bunch of folks that, you know, maybe had seen better days or people that had their shine up maybe, you know, seven or eight years ago. And now they're at the bottom of the barrel. Um, uh, who was supposed to be the Prometheus? Remember Prometheus was supposed to be the next big new villain in the nineties. Kind of. Yeah. But I always felt Grant had his story like written and he was going to do him in himself. You know what I mean? Right. But he's someone who got done in and then still hung around a little bit longer than I think his usefulness would have allowed. But the main character of the story is Catman. Right. Now, you prior know, to all this, was that not King you know, of Cats? No, the Catman. Maybe a, a fourth tier villain? Fifth tier villain? I think at the time, in retrospecticus, 
Mm-hmm. They say that he's a C-lister, and I think that's given a lot of credit. That's a lowercase c. Right. You know, but I think it's the combination of the Dale Eaglesham art and the way that he is drawn and his verbiage that Gail Simone gives him where he stands up literally, you know, there's, you know, imagery there where he has like the higher ground and a lot of the things and psycho man is a, a, a shorter and stature person where he stands his ground to these much higher ranking, these much more powerful villains and kind of sends them away. And the villains themselves even uh, address this saying like, you know, our, our intelligence might have been wrong on him, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, and they even say, like, as on the nose as possible, it's like he's remade himself, you know? Yep, yep. our and, intel was wrong. He's like, he was like, he, you were dismissed by a third rate never was? Yes. That's a great line. And, like, they go back to the headquarters. Psycho Man is still stewing about the whole thing. And Deathstroke is like, next you're going to tell me you were turned down by Crazy Quilt and Ambush Bug? Mm-hmm. Right, that's great stuff. And then we get to the rest of our crew. Not because the Suicide Squad was pretty much done at this point, right? Yeah, I don't think there was a Suicide Squad series at this time. Right. So we get our, you know, not named Suicide Squad, but very much Suicide Squad would later become Secret Six. It's um. It's Deadshot, it's Scandal Savage, it's Cheshire, it's a new and improved Ragdoll, son of Ragdoll, who we saw in Starman. Yep. Uh, It's a random parademon and the Fiddler. Right. I will say this. At this point, she's only known as Scandal. Okay. Because the secret is who her last name is. Oh, kayfabe, everybody. Right. No, I'm just saying, you know. Um. So they, they do the bit where they're taking on the hive troopers. The fiddler is not working. His fiddle is not working. And they give him grief saying that he has a top of the line, you know, multi-million dollar strata mm-hmm. And he still calls himself the fiddler like he's a redneck, you know. Yep. Yep. Um, and then the mission is completed. They all get their their marching orders, and it's not like they have the things implanted in their head. Like if you were in the secret, the the Suicide Squad, right? But it certainly is implied that if somebody fails, you take care of your own. Because mm-hmm. um, again, like when his his little watch thing goes red, it's not like a thing pops in his head. Deadshot just shoots him in the head immediately. Right. It's kind now, of yeah. right, and they, these six, now five, are working for the mysterious Mockingbird. Mm-hmm. And that one I'm not going to reveal on you yet either. Right. But they do need to go and recruit someone new. The person that they end up going to recruit is the aforementioned Cat- Catman. Uh, Catman had been protecting, living with, whatever, a pride of lions. And we find out that four days after Catman turned them down, Deathstroke came and killed all the lions that Catman was with. And, you know, in a bit of, you know, I guess, wordplay, if you will. I love um, this line. Go ahead. Yes. Uh, he says, they made this my fight. Because of the society, I have no pride left. 
Mm-hmm. God, I got goosebumps from that. Yeah, good stuff, man. Right? Mm-hmm. It's almost like Gail Simone knew how to write. The seek the the uh, the uh, what the hell? What, I'm, I want to say Suicide Squad, but the Secret Six. Sorry. Right. And again, it, it it's it's very it's her Suicide Squad, right? And mm-hmm. in a perfect world, um, you know, DC would have never used Suicide Suicide Squad name again. Everything would be Secret Six. But I'm okay with both exist existing, right? Mm-hmm. Um. So as they're leaving, Catman gives the bartender a little note. Um. I. My only quibble about this is we see that the note is going to Green Arrow. Right. I wish that was more of a secret, that we got a little bit more of a reveal on that later on in the book. But who am I I, I, to argue with the way this works, right? I disagree because I'm of the mind, what and why is Catman sending a letter to Green Arrow? Okay. You know what I mean? Like that makes like, yeah, if he just sends a letter, it's like, oh, okay, sending a letter. But now why is he sending it to one of the heroes? And of all heroes, that hero? You know what I mean? Like, I don't know. That just makes me want to know more. Right. So Scandal takes them to their hair their headquarters. We're not told what this is just yet, right? Mm-hmm. So I'm not gonna say what this is, but it's a spooky house in the middle of nowhere. Right, and one of my favorite lines, again, from Catman, because Catman is so cool in this. He's like, here's our headquarters. He's like, I imagine something a bit less awful. And I'm like, that's another great line. Um, So we get the meeting of the six together. Catman now joining into their ranks with Mockingbird, and Mockingbird is only represented as a white silhouette on a screen where you could see their red eyes and kind of dresses them down a little bit in a way saying that with everything that they have, they've accomplished nothing. They're failures. And it's together with Mockingbird's leadership and guidance that Mockingbird, again, using my words carefully here, Mm -hmm. um, will make them feared, respected, and adored. And for doing this mission, and Mockingbird threatens Cheshire, um, that is going to make Cheshire, and this is the only one that we get so far, right? Mm-hmm. That Mockingbird is going to make Cheshire comply that she has, old Suicide Squad style, a small explosive uh, injected in her. And says, um, the charge is quite weak, just barely enough to cause massive bleeding in her brain. Um, right. I've, designed it, I've designed it so that she'll live, after a fashion. Which is a really big scumbag thing to do, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and then they reply and say, every great leader has a choice. Rule with rule with the whip or the chariot. To say to be safe, I'm doing both. So great lines, great dialogue. Everybody's a villain, everybody's sleazy. Pretty much the only one that has any sort of redeeming qualities at this point is Catman. And their reward uh is once they defeat Luther and his society, each member of the Secret Six are going to be rewarded with their uh, their own continent, which is a great reveal. Yes, like, like there's six you there's six continents. Oh, we're not Antarctica's group, you know, neutral ground, but we're good to go. You know, yes, can't get Mister Freeze for Antarctica and be the Secret <laughs> Seven, Captain Cold. Come on, but this this is a great first issue. You do yes, not need to have any sort of knowledge of identity crisis. 
You don't need to have any knowledge of who these characters are. You're mm-hmm. given enough information about them. But the main character that they give you, Catman, is the one that they give you the most information about because it's not one of these everything you do about these characters is wrong. It's more or less, we're giving this character a fresh coat of paint. Yep. And when you look at it, it's like, okay, we're giving you this the secret six. So take the fiddler out of it because he gets whacked early. You know what I mean? Right. But it's Cheshire, Deadshot, uh, a, a parademon. Do we need to get a parademon over? You know what I mean? Like, right. So, and the new ragdoll, which is, you know, based on, has some name to him from the Starman series. So it's like, these are all, except for sc- Scandal. Scandal's mysterious. Um, it's except like for me these, who blew the secret. Right. Blew the secret early. Um, they're all... J- all right, they're not in the society, but they're dangerous villains. And there's Catman. But Catman, like you said, he 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 comes on strong. The change is there. I love in the beginning when Dr. Psycho's like, you know, I can, I can, my brain's like, I can control minds. He's like, I can make you do whatever I want. He's like, yeah, that'd be great. And then this giant pack of lions behind me, which is the only thing holding me back. You know, do your powers work mind control on lions? I'm like, he has that, like, everything you do, I've counteracted in the last 10 seconds. And that's just an easy way to get a loser over real, real fast. Yep. Man. So great. That, and it looks great. Like you said, all the, the angles and stuff makes people look weak or strong or like Dale Eaglesham is just knowing what he's doing. Yep. Uh, so it felt so fun. It felt so good rereading this book. Mm-hmm. I'm so looking forward to going into all of this and I hope everyone else does as well. Right. My only thing is we're, we're early in is I do think, cause then you're going to hit secret six proper. Yes. I think with a lot of stuff going on with the infinite crisis tie-ins, like I know I'm not going to give anything away. Like when, like when we kind of get into the mockingbird and stuff like that, it's going to get confusing quick then we're going to get out of it and have our own story spinning out of it. You know yeah, what I mean? it's, so, it's literally, it, liter- we have a six-issue miniseries and a one-shot. Mm-hmm. I think, like, one and a half of those deal with, like, the Infinite Crisis stuff. Yes. And, and then, then like, we're completely, like, it's never, then it's like, never mention this again. Right, and the Secret Six does their stuff, so. Yeah. That's all. So, again, this is an easy reader. Next week is issue two of Villains United. The way I've decided is because I think we have 53 issues and there's 52 weeks in a year. Uh, we're just going to bulk it. The last two issues are going to be the last week of the year. Because usually it's uh, having just remembered last week <laughs> to remember 51 weeks from now. It was a light week. So we'll have two issues to read then. But every week from here on out, it's going to be one issue. Right. Leave yourself a note. Yes, I have a note. There you go. Uh, so I would be remiss also not to mention uh, the pigskin pickums are going to wrap up. This is the last week of regular season play, correct? Yes, it is. Definitely. Don't need to look that up. Oh, it, it, am I wrong? No, I'm, I'm being like, remember last week I was like, oh, are there any Thursday night games? No, this is I know for a fact we're going into week 18 and I don't need to look it up at all. Sorry, I threw you off. So as we stand, I'm in 23rd place, still somehow on the first page. Right. And Todd, sadly, has fallen to fourth place. Right. Not only are you being beaten by Adam, but you're also being beaten by young Josh from the comic shop. I don't know if I could stand being beaten by a Howard the Duck fan. (laughs) 
Well, it's either a Howard the Duck fan or an Azrael fan. Pick one. You know what? Walk with pride, Howard the Duck. Walk with pride. (laughs) (laughs) So, you know, obviously the fantasy football for the soon-to-be-named network has wrapped up and there's been no incidents, right? Right, no incidents at all, yeah. You finished a strong third place? Fourth. I, uh, a, a strong fourth place. Oh, okay. I thought the uh, other guy said he wasn't even going to put his thing in. He, he he relinquished third place to you. Quote, oh, I'd okay. rather finish last than third. Right. If he don't want that, I mean, pr- I was going to say prize, but we don't bet on these things. That would be illegal. Um, so, yeah, I guess I'll take whatever, you know, heaps of praise that the third place guy gets. So Yes. Um. And then uh, there's no TV show this week. Um, I don't know where other stuff is going to be coming in because the only thing we have on the horizon is um, next Wednesday is when Echo is dropping on Disney Plus. Right. And they're dropping the whole series at once. I think it's only six episodes, right? Yes. I, I, uh, it's either five or six. That, that much I know. So I know you are not a fan of, you know, watching everything all at once. I It doesn't bother me to watch it because I have the time. And that's five episodes as of uh, Wikipedia. Yes. Um, so I could watch it all at once. My problem with it is that you usually don't have the time. So you're like, oh, I got I caught two this week and I'll have all five in my head. Mm. And it'll be like. Okay, we're we're talking about two, but where did what I'm thinking about happen? Because I've watched all five. Was that in episode two or episode three? So I don't want to spoil anything for you. you And I'm not waiting around for you because sometimes you'll be like, oh, I will watch two this week. Oh, I only had time to watch one. Or the opposite way is like, well, I had time to watch two. Well, I didn't watch that episode because I was waiting for you. I'm like, it just becomes a cluster for my brain that I don't like. Yeah. Well, here's what I'll do. I'll, I won't make a promise, but I will certainly make a concerted effort to watch it. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm assuming most of the episodes will be about 40 minutes or so, and there's only five episodes. Right. I will make a concerted effort to watch it um, before we record the following week. Right, because they all drop on a Tuesday. It's not like we're going to get to watch them. You know what on I mean? a Wednesday. Right. And then the only thing that I think that's definitively on the schedule after that is Madam Web in the middle of February. Um, I think I might have to draw my line in the sand on Madam Web. You sure? Yeah, I don't. You don't want to. You have... don't want to spend Valentine's Day weekend in the uh, movie theater with me and Young Ed of Hayabusa watching Madam Web. You know what? That is a great offer. That might, you know, offer begins with O. You know what other word begins with O? Opportunity. That is a great opportunity for me. But uh, you know what? Here's what I'll say. You go to, you have your Valentine's Day with young Ed. You watch Madam Web. And then you guys record something without me talking about (laughs) Madam Web. I'm joking around. Ed lives six hours away from me. I don't think we'll get a chance to see it together. No, Uh, I know that. But I, I... I would have a sinking suspicion. Yeah. <laughs> and if Ed went to go see it at his theater, mm-hmm. and I went to go see it at my theater, and we FaceTimed or Skyped each other, yep. we wouldn't disturb anybody else in either theater. Oh, my God. <laughs> there be nobody else in the theater but us. 
That's right. But you know what? A, what a show you could have do. Have to go to the same time. We'd have to sync it up. Yeah, that might be difficult. All right, but you could have a you could have a for uh, long box heroes. You could have conversations with Joe. You know what I mean? And have a comic related one. Speaking of which, right? There's a bonus episode, a short one, coming out of Ad Odds this week. Right. Adam's find out finding out about it right now. There you go. May, hearing rumors, it's the best one you've ever had. So a, a rumored innuendo, yes. Yeah, but we don't deal in that here. So that's right. Uh, so is there anything else? I think that's everything for the show. We had no TV shows. We had a bunch of books. We've nope. shortened. Uh, have issues for this year. Um, yep. Yeah, you're very concise. So yes, I d- and I, I try- it's my turn to sit back and go, yeah, yeah, yeah. All right. So, for Todd, this is Joe, wrapping up episode 691 of Longbox Heroes. Thanks for listening, everybody, and we will see you all here next week. Remember, be a faucet, not a drain. Listening to the soon to be named network, the Lamborghini of Podcast Networks. The Rob is a long box hero. The Rob is a long box hero. He gives us five five stars.